Shawnee, oh my god, hello. Hi. Oh my god. I do we sound different? Do I sound different? I hope we sound a little different. We spent some money on some microphones. Oh my god. Do you know what we also spent some money on? What? We got stickers, bitch. Oh yeah. They're they're so cute. Thank you, Carlos, for designing them for us and Pacific Northwest Press for printing them for us. They don't give a shit. They don't know who we are. Yeah, they're probably not even listening. But they came out cute. They're so cute. I look, like them. Make sure you look on our Instagram for ways to get them. Um, and by the way, I am Maddie Germs. Oh, and I'm Shawnee. And we are QBT. That is two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. Let's go. Do-do-do-do-do. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> it's another week, and we're here. We made doing it. Doing this thing called a podcast. We made it. Um, we made it. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> have a lot of energy here on this Wednesday mm-hmm. with this jury weather outside. My pills are kicking in. Oh. <laughs> These microphones are interesting. I feel like I'm afraid to drink water because everybody's going to hear everything. Um, I think a little bit of ASMR is good, and it's, it, it, it. Ah. <laughs> doesn't have headphones on, but that was horny. <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I strive for, to make people horny. I agree. I think, you know, rock and bod, <laughs> cute face, amazing personality. I think it works. Hey, it's my brand. <laughs> um, okay, what's up, slut? What's up? So... I want to hear, based on today's episode and what the topic is, we're going to talk about grief and loss. Okay. Um, But I don't want to start off on that note. I want to start off on more of a positive note. Okay. So I'm wondering, what, who, and what are some of your most meaningful relationships Hmm. in your life? Both alive or not here or close now or not close anymore. Mm -hmm. I will say that I am someone that is very people oriented. So even hearing that question gives me a mild panic attack because mm. I'm just like, uh, first of all, what if someone listening is important to me and then I don't say their name and then how are they going to feel? That's like the first thing that I thought of, which is like very stupid because it's a question about yeah. me. I'm going <laughs> um, to lose a follower. Right. Oh my God. Shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the other thing that I'm thinking about is the honest truth is that I have had important people in my life that have changed a lot over time. I grew up moving around a lot, like moving every three to four years or so. And then just there's also like kind of that post queer life that you lose a lot of people that are important Mm -hmm. to, you know? And so maybe I'll just kind of focus like post 21 sort of thing. Um, I definitely feel like there's some super, super close college babes that like I can talk to you like once or twice or three or four times a year. And when I see them, it's like, it's it. We're connected. I know that we are star destined or whatever, but Mm -hmm. like we aren't having a lot of major influence in each other's lives immediately. Um, There's obviously my partner. There's obviously my chosen family here. And then I kind of have like a chosen queer family next to that. And those two things are so important to me. Friendships are deeply, deeply important to me. I think my relationship with my brother has and his like soon to be wife um, are relationships that I had no idea, especially when I was a t- teenager, were going to be so important to me now. And I like, 
I value that so much. Um, I don't know. I think for me, if you have offered me vulnerability and then held my vulnerability with care, to some extent, you're important to me in some way, you know? Mm. Um, And there's obviously people that I've seen much bigger ups and downs that are like, uh, that shit's for life. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) What about you? Uh, nobody. Okay. You know, I don't like people. All right. Um, podcast over. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Joking. Um, almost similarly, I sort of look at a meaningful relationship as, uh, have you both, yes, been there for me? Have we shared vulnerabilities with each other? Have we, uh, had experiences with one another, but also like, have those experiences and have those conversations also sort of had an impact and shaped who I am like currently today, like yeah. the current version of Sean. So for that reason, um, sometimes those meaningful relationships to me aren't always positive, I guess. Like oh. sometimes they're still meaningful. Like, and that's why I brought up like whether you're still close with somebody or not, because it sure. doesn't mean that they didn't shape you in some way, shape or form. So sure. for me, I would say, both of my parents, mm-hmm. um, my grandmother, for sure. Um, there's a couple of college friends out there that have absolutely had an impact on who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say some teachers. There's like some teachers and professors mm-hmm. in my life that like absolutely. Was it an English teacher? Um, yeah. There's I feel an English like, teacher. I feel like for gay kids, it's like yeah. the English teacher is the one that's like, it's going to be okay, baby. Miss Williamson, if you are listening, Turn you it made off. it, girl. You're in my, <laughs> you're in my circle. Um, and then also my kindergarten teacher who, if she's still alive, Miss Travis, girl, you had a big impact on my life. Oh, Yeah. My um, first grade teacher for half a year was named Miss Early Wine, and I didn't understand why. Like wine early in the morning? Uh Uh-huh, exactly (laughs) like that. But I did not understand why adults laughed at that name until I was like 14 (laughs) years old, and I was just in my bed one day, and it like clicked, and I was like, oh, bitch, that's why. That's why people (laughs) thought it was funny. Um, I actually really identify with you in those ways. I feel like I intentionally didn't say people because of (laughs) certain Mm. some of those connotations. I think... The last time that I visited my family, I remember seeing a picture and just like seeing my parents in me. And Mm. I think um, there's times where, especially like from behind, if there's a picture from behind, especially as my hair has gotten longer, it's like, oh my God, that's my mom. (laughs) And uh, that freaks me out. Um, And grandparents too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like family is absolutely a shaper and then those things are not being maintained super well by me at the moment, um, both by choice and maybe not. Maybe it's just like mm-hmm. unconscious stuff happening too. But uh, that's why I like sort of made sure to shout out my brother and the ways in which, especially post 21, I've had a lot more choice in who shapes and is important to me. Yes, absolutely. You know? I love that question. Also, Dolly Parton. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And also Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> um, do you want to get into it? Do you want to talk about it and what about it? Pop culture, politics, etc. Et 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 all of it, girl. Um, um, Emmys first? Do you want to start with Emmys? Yeah, we can talk about the Emmys. I didn't watch anything and I don't no, even no think did. that I have uh, read the list, but I've gotten the highlights. I've seen the highlights and it read Black people. There was a good amount. I feel like it was a, a record-winning seven major black wins Mm -hmm. so it's like love to see it good good 
good. I feel like my favorite of that was Zendaya. That was mm-hmm. to me, and I, I think she was the only acceptance speech I watched. Um, seeing her win, seeing her excited and um, able to really talk about activists on the ground. I think she specifically says, like, you know, this may not seem like a good time to be celebrating, but, you know, we're here for it, you know, and I've already talked about how much I love Euphoria too many times. Yeah. And just seeing that show celebrated and young people celebrated, I I love seeing her win. You know, she's just so gorgeous. And I f- enjoy it now because that's just not coming back till 2022. Oh, my God. I know there's like <laughs> going to be a huge gap. I think we get like a one or two kind of layover episodes that are supposed to be shot in between. But like I heard maybe not in, even until 2022. Like uh, it probably won't shoot until 21. And then I feel like you texted me and you were like, they should just jump to college. Which they maybe, really should. <laughs> which, which I mean, makes sense. All of those like giant titty 24 year olds, like mm. they're not in high school. <laughs> like Let's just catch up with them later and yeah. see like, are they still being ridiculous? Yeah. I think, um, I mean, that delay aside, I'm excited for that to happen. I feel Regina King winning, which she's won like Emmys for in the last, I think it's like five or six years, mm-hmm. she's won a different Emmy for a different show each time, and then an Oscar in there as well. Yeah. Like, it shocks me that I feel like, and I will say white people, it shocks me that white people are like just now, like discovering Regina King. Regina King has been, I mean, I feel like my first interaction with regina king would have been like when i was a kid like she is the she's ice cube's sister on friday (laughs) oh my god and it's just like i've seen that career trajectory trajectory from there all the way to now and it's just like she's a beast like in front of the camera and uh behind the camera as well i i think one of my favorite things that she's ever been in which is another hbo thing is the leftovers i Mm. love her on that season i think Mm -hmm. it's so so goddamn good and obviously shit's creek fucking sweeped Swept? I'm swept. Swept. Sweeps <laughs> um, week. Uh, Good for them. I still need to watch this final season of Shit's Creek. I mean... Which is going to hit Netflix soon, I think. I think so. And I think a lot of people will be like, oh. Because I do think it gives a very penultimate, this is the character arc that I, Dan Levy, have been aiming for since I started this thing. Mm. And I read a lot of people name, which I think is true. If you have started Shit's Creek and you find that pilot or those first few episodes really hard to get through, I promise just... It's so pushed good. through it's so because funny. the the setup is like, why the fuck am I supposed to care about these white people who lost everything? Like, good, I should be celebrating yeah. that. And I think some of the joke throughout the first season is being okay with celebrating that. Um, but you know, all best comedy series, and then all four: Catherine O'Hara, Eugene, Dan, and then oh so no, what is her name? Annie Murphy, Annie Murphy, who yeah is a powerhouse and like celebrated not as much as Catherine O'Hara, but as playing just as much of a character, which I think is so cool. And I mean, I think we talked about this when we were talking about nominations. It was, I would have loved to seen Issa Rae win, but Issa Rae will have more chances. Mm. Catherine O'Hara for this character, it just is, it needed to be celebrated. I'm so happy it was. Oh, look, your favorite one. Holmes. RuPaul's RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. And then um, we, I also, do you watch Succession? I love that show. I've been telling okay. people to watch that show for forever. It is so good. I feel like I know a lot of people who are upset that it kind of gets put in a drama category versus a comedy category. It's not a comedy. I think some people view I think a lot of people view it as more comedy, but it is definitely in that dramedy realm. I think because it's just like 
exaggerated meanness. Yeah. <laughs> it they like people probably laugh at that, but right. I'm like it's like they're it's assholes, not. you guys. Yeah, it's I know. Like actual assholes. And I find that show really like that to me is like the thing about Shit's Creek that people have a barrier around. Like, mm. I have a hard time with Succession. Like, ah. I can really only watch like one or two episodes at a time, and I haven't even made it through the first season. Like, I keep trying to come back to it, but I think I watched the first two episodes like four times, maybe three. I like keep wow because every time I just try to click the third episode, I'm like, I don't remember what the first two episodes about. So then I go back and I watch the first two episodes again. And I'm like. Okay, I've seen this setup so many times. I get the kind of character dynamic. I just need to dive in. It just, it feels so painful. Like, I know that it's like, like, I just, the wanting the father's approval, the powerlessness of these very powerful people, it like, uh, it makes my gut turn. Like, and I also get, I feel like it's a writer's favorite TV show. A lot of writers that I know and follow are like, it's the best show ever. I'm like, but is it enjoyable to watch? Yes. Okay. (laughs) If you say so. Um, also, a show that I've been revisiting, High Maintenance. That is so strange because I also have been like, I think I was, I may have gotten to season three. Okay. But recently before bed, I've been like, I'm just going to put on an episode of this. It's perfect And just that. like go to sleep. It's relaxing. Even when it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. it's still held with such care. And I think that because it's a quote weed show, it gets completely overlooked yeah but it is honestly some of the most creative and heartfelt storytelling like i've ever seen i just yesterday and today i binged the newest season and that's what i always do i like literally forget about the show like Mm. a stoner i'll forget about the show and then uh you know a year or two later see it i feel like it only the newest season came out earlier this year oh i think well, then all the more reason to celebrate it. I, yeah. It makes me sad that it's not as, quote, celebrated. But I think even if you're not a weed person, if you're just someone who likes stories, it finds ways to jump into people's apartments and you know nothing about these people mm-hmm. and you feel shit for the five minutes that they're on screen. And I it's so love, cool. I mean, I feel like there's a few shows that have this, uh, what was it called? When it's different every... Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> episodic episode no that's the other way wait when there's not like an arc whatever okay when it's episodic when each episode is sort of self-contained uh-huh. uh i love that and then i also love these kind of shows that give you a short snapshot or like vignette to your point of somebody's life i feel like there was a show uh on netflix called easy that i liked that was like similar but i think high maintenance is, has done it the best of all of those shows i think i remember liking easy and you're right yeah i think it was a lot better high maintenance is so good and it started as a web series and it's like one of those things that made the transition to hbo very well um thank you for your hbo account i've finally been able to catch up on well, don't tell everything me. it's they're listening Shh. Shh. um <laughs> did you see that like all that shit with vanessa bryant and like her mom and the lapd and shit no what happened so her mom went blabbing her mouth somewhere and got like an interview where they took photos and is basically like the Bryants, after Kobe died, kicked me out of the apartment, told me to give a car back. They're not taking care of me. Just all this horrible shit. And Vanessa Bryant kind of broke her silence for one of the first times and was like, listen, my mom, I know now, only cares about her money. She's, of course, not going to tell you that she took off and hid all of her jewelry for these photos, moved furniture out and around to make it look like she got nothing in this apartment. When she is in a fully furnished apartment, also getting an um, 
it's not alimony, but like is getting a monthly stipend, right? And so the house and car that she was like kicked out of and taken back, they weren't in her name. They were like, we're taking care of you in this way. But, you know, money's different now that he's dead. So we're going to take care of you in this other way. Yeah. But the way that Manessa made it sound was like, it's not bullshit. Like, we're not like putting her in a fucking shack. She just is a selfish woman who the first thing that she does... I saw something that said maybe Kobe was kind of like the repairer in that relationship that kind of kept them, oh. the mother and her kind of together because it sounds like a terribly manipulative relationship. And like to be able to also publicly come out against your mom, like that's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to kind of be like, my mom's wrong. And to be such under a public eye, I think that's sad. Well, I mean, her mom, I mean, took the first shot. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm not saying... Uh, but I think even still as a child, I think yeah. there's still some shit in our brains that says, like, I have to respect her. Or, like, especially within, I think, Black family, Southern family sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. those things are, like, kind of ingrained in this way. But outside of that, another fucked up thing is that there were... Speaking of all cops are bastards, there were cops who were fucking sharing private photos that they took of the crash site, like, at bars and shit fucking pulling it out in front of women and being like in this fucking cool that I have Kobe's dead body on whatever. And here's the thing that crashed. And then those got leaked. And so she's suing the LAPD over the leaked photos, which good for her. I hope she fucking gets fucking money from that. That's so fucking disgusting. What a tragedy. Mm, I, which he is on time 100 with obviously 99 other people. Isn't he? Um, is Kobe? he one of the hundred? Yeah, I haven't gone through all of the hundred. Um, I see Megan the Stallion's on here. I think I think Kobe and Gabrielle Union are on the same cover. Megan's cover is incredible. She's got like a fucking no, high ass pony. She looks good, and she's interviewed by Taraji. I think mm-hmm. um, Ugh, Tyler Perry's okay. interviewed by I know Tyler Perry's interviewed by Oprah. I think I'm honestly hi Selena Gomez. I, okay, um, Jay Bowman. Oh, India. Oh, it's not India Moore. That's Maya Moore. Never mind. I don't know who that is. Michaela Cole. Ugh. Those cheekbones kill me with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there is often nothing really that special about this magazine. And I think that there's some cool interviews in here that when I started going through the list, I was like, oh, I'm actually like really, really excited to, yeah. to dive into this. But also at the end of the day, Meg looks so good looks that's so really good. the only thing i was like meg looks amazing Maddie, she looks so fucking I want good us to make the time 100 most influential people they that, don't have to give us two slots we can just share one we'll share one yeah tell your friends about us get us get <laughs> us on the time 100 next year maybe the forbes oh you're not under 30 never mind i mean you're you're a young chicken you're i can make the 40 under 40 <laughs> okay all right work 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 work, work, work. <laughs> oh my goodness um tell me about antebellum um, I can't tell you much other than I'm not going to watch it. I refuse to. A, because it has a Rotten Tomato score of like 29, which means there's just no reason you need to go see a movie. I mean, okay, but to be honest, maybe that makes holds more weight now, but there's lots of movies from when we were children that have terrible, terrible yeah, scores. But like, and it was just because men didn't understand women. <laughs> yes, true. But Antebellum, 29% in like 2020 yeah it's terrible just, because it's just terrible because i don't need to see any more slavery movies i'm good mm-hmm. i think we all we all know that this happened we mm-hmm. all know that slavery <clears throat> was horrific right mm-hmm. i don't need to be re-traumatized with that mm-hmm. 
every single year. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need to be this, like, I used to hate it, especially when it was like, look at this movie. I mean, 12 Years a Slave was a great movie, but it's just <laughs> like, I don't need to see an awards run for this and have it, like, pushed in my face time and time and time again. Well, and that, in a lot of ways, is a horror movie about slavery. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And slavery in of itself is a, is a horror. So it's like... right. To make a horror movie about slavery is like, you don't need to make slavery any worse than it already right. was. Which this plot is what? That she's a writer and then like kind of goes back in yeah. time. And then I think I read something. I haven't seen it either. But I read something that was like, the the, the reason I'm not going, that you should not engage with this is because we literally, it's you're just watching the black characters experience mm-hmm. horrible, horrible things. And like, there's a way to maybe make a horror movie about slavery that I'm thinking like Lovecraft Country, okay? Mm. Like the post-Jim Crow era or Jim Crow era is a horrible thing. It's an American horror. But instead of making the horror brutality, it brings you to the tension of what you should see and then it blows the heads up of all the white people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like tension, the the racism and the slavery itself creates tension and anxiety. Right. So you don't need to plus that up anymore you we can know use that as just like we know the setting that's okay yep. like we know that we're already going to be tense by the sheer fact that this is happening right like on a plantation right so make, make like harriet tubman vampire hunter else. or something yeah exactly that'd be a great idea um so i don't know i have zero desire to see it i mean i love janelle Monet, yeah. but it doesn't mean i'm going to support this movie and i think that uh, i was listening to another podcast pop culture happy hour mm-hmm. um and I believe somebody on there even said that one of the writers or the one of the producers themselves said the first thing that we really wanted was like entertainment. Like we just want to make something like entertaining. So it's just like, Ew. well, <laughs> maybe this isn't the, the route to go about it. That makes me sad. I feel like there's just there's enough fucking horror in that realm happening also fucking right now. You yeah. know, we got like fucking Breonna Taylor's cops murderers not being indicted for anything one gets Ugh. indicted for what fucking three charges of felony wanton endangerment his name's brett hankinson by the way um and like that is already an american horror you know like we've had this woman who i'm just gonna pull up this tweet really quick um so black female lead or at this be lie says she was used for everything used to promote everything used to make People look good and socially conscious, used to promote parties, used for memes, used as an example. There's that fucking TikTok thing of like the killers of Breonna Taylor. And they're yeah. like, you know what I mean? Um, used for memes, used as an example, used and used and used. And even with all of this, she didn't get the one thing she needed, justice. And it's just like, that's also just an indictment. Who knows what this fucking Daniel Cameron AG from Kentucky is going to fucking do with it. He says he's going to like go after the people, but it, I don't believe him, no. <laughs> you know, especially because he's like, he's a Kentucky black Trump supporter, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's Kentucky. I mean, but uh, I mean, but still, I mean, honestly, these, this stuff came out today when we're recording. So like a week before this comes out, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I would not be fucking surprised if Louisville burns tonight, man, like oh, man. burns, burns. I even saw yesterday that um, people in Louisville were, t- were tweeting a lot about, businesses in the area area like just boarding up before the indictment even came down down. um i think we'll probably have a link to the um jail support fund for protesters in our thing but it's just like Mm -hmm. 
a fucking mess. But anyway, like we have that horror in the United States. We have Trump going on live television saying the 200,000 people that have died of coronavirus are either insignificant or not that big a deal. He like downplays this whole thing of like <laughs> they had heart conditions and like get me out of here. Get me fucking out of here, man. <laughs> get me out of here. We're we are in a, a state of anarchy designation. Oh, so New York City, Seattle, and Portland, we're not probably going to get federal funding too if that that sticks. Great. Truly, um, truly amazing, truly magical. It's almost fun to play this game now where I wake up and think, what what else could happen? What let's just see how much crazier it can get. And how much we can keep pretending that like everything's just fine. <laughs> like there's this weird just like everything is burning around us, quite yeah. literally. Yeah. And we're still like, at least like me, like still going to work with yeah. a smile on my face, like getting work done and yeah. like I don't know. It's just crazy that we're still living our daily lives, yeah. but also witnessing the world come to an end. And we're also not in the same ways. Like, so since coronavirus, social lives have been cut down. Businesses mm-hmm. have been cut down. But do you know what hasn't been cut down? The way people work. I mean, we've worked, we work differently, but people are still working 40 to 60 hours yep. a week if they have employment. And that, why is the human condition in America work to stay inside and continue to feed yourselves like why has everything else been altered and yet work is still still prioritized at, at the top yeah. and prioritized did you fucking see that doomsday clock that they put up in uh new york city of like cli- it's like a climate change doomsday clock and it's like seven years and counting oh fun yeah to some extent <laughs> i'm like okay awareness like there there is something that needs to be shown around besides all the fires and hurricanes that are happening here's this yeah. clock at the same time, though, it's like put on a skyscraper and it's like the businesses that are within that skyscraper and around that skyscraper are really more responsible for climate change. So it kind of is just this looming thing for normal ass folk to yeah. walk under and dread. Is that thing going to be going for seven? Like, what kind of existential dread would I have if I looked outside my window every night and just saw a fucking doomsday clock? Like, it just seems like psychological warfare. Like, I fucking, I have such weird feelings about that thing, especially the rent is probably hella cheap, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. I don't even know. Um, Let's um, take okay. a break. Jolene has decided to come join us. Hey, girl. <laughs> Let's take a break. Come back and talk about some pretty heavy shit. All right. Here we are. We're here. Back to do the work. Back at it again to do some very serious work. Yeah. Eh, somewhat serious. I think things can be serious and don't necessarily have to have the caveat of like, and you're going to feel like complete shit. My goal is done. to make you feel like complete shit by the end of this. I'm okay. joking. Um, what are we talking about? Why are we talking about it? Yeah. So if you haven't already checked out the episode title, it is about grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um and that's because I experienced some grief and loss in my life um, two going on three weeks ago. Um, I also wasn't on the podcast the episode before last because mm-hmm. um, a lot of things were going on in my life. And the biggest thing that was going on for me is my dad, my biological dad, the person who helped bring me into this world, mm-hmm. uh, died in a car accident unexpectedly. 
Um, and yeah, it's been a few weeks of just processing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad and I, I have realized throughout all of this, actually had a really great relationship like growing up and he was actually in no way shape or form like an absent father in my life he was somebody that was around a lot I mean he and my mother were together until um so I was like seven or eight so I mean I was used to him being in the house with me and then after that I saw him pretty much every weekend for like years so and spent a lot of time with him during the summer so I say all that to say uh, I had a relationship with this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had sort of died off at a certain point in my life. And then it came back uh, and we were working on things in my like adulthood. So it's been a strange sort of processing because it's been honoring these sort of uh, moments from my childhood and adolescence that mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point of why I asked at the beginning of the episode that helped shape me and help uh, turn me into the man that I am today um, while also pairing that with having gone through some difficult times in that relationship and having, uh, I don't know, had some not great things happen in that relationship. Um, and then to be working on it and for that relationship to be in recovery and then get sort of cut off right now, um, has been a lot for me to deal with because you always think you have more time with somebody and Mm -hmm. that's not always the case. It's also why that's what your homework was last week because uh, I also luckily had a great opportunity to talk to him um, and have a really good conversation with him just a couple of days before he died um, instead of it being like a month, you know, since the last time I talked to him, which, you know, tended to happen, so. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for, you know, beginning to open up about this and and sharing with us here. I think um, something that I'm honestly thinking about right now, which is something I read earlier this week, which is like, unless this is like a mutual experience, like people who love someone who's who lost someone often have no idea what the fuck to do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, and the, the ways that that can manifest in poor ways is like, trying to be overly distracting or like trying to be around every fucking second or like talking, trying to talk about it too much. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. there's elements of being like that fucking sucks. And I would love to hear just, you know, it has been a few weeks. If we're talking about grief, I think a lot of people understand that as a process potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that you mentioned, you know, off air, it, will most likely be a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just want to name that I think it's important for us to talk about it. And I'm grateful that you're talking about it because America's grief rituals are not always sufficient to the healing process, you know? And I don't think people have as much of a healthy relationship with death and loss mm-hmm. so that when it happens, it becomes this, just kind of throw up your hands and don't really know what to do. And then we have DSM (laughs) diagnosis for people who have like maladaptive grief. And it's just like, maybe that's appropriate, you know, like some things feel so awful and heavy and I don't know. I would just love to hear your understanding of what this quote process is. Yeah. I mean, I'll preface this all with, this is the first like, uh, significant sort of major 
lost in my life and especially for it to be like a parent like i there's immediate family and then i feel like there's like your parents so yeah um part of it has just been <laughs> processing like i care less about how it happened and those sort of details and more about um this there's just this feeling of like there's a void in certain places it feels like there is something missing somewhere and it's strange how it all sort of just how that how quickly that just came like Mm -hmm. i feel like before this i always thought grief would be i don't know like i'm just gonna be like depressed and sad like my normal depression that i like go through Mm -hmm. that'll probably happen for a few days and then i'll get over it um and instead it is both overwhelming and numb all at once. Like I both feel everything and feel nothing. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Um, and then that's, that is sort of like the, the base layer. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the day, depending on what I'm doing, depending on what I'm watching or who I'm talking to, the smell that I'm smelling, mm-hmm. the thing that I'm just like seeing my, uh, that I just see in front of me. Um, my emotions just oscillate. Like it can just go from I'm suddenly really sad because I remember something to I'm really grateful because I got to have that conversation with him Mm -hmm. to I'm really happy that like uh, he was able to make an impact on my life the way that he was to like being angry with like, it's just, it's everything. So Mm -hmm. part of processing for me has been making myself okay with that and Mm -hmm. like giving myself the space and grace to like which i feel like i always do like if i don't want to hang out with people then like y'all know it i just like won't show up but very much so now um not overextending myself not making myself do anything that like i don't want to um not making myself like respond to text messages right away like when they come in um i was telling uh some friends last night that part of this has also been understanding wow I have a lot of love in my life and I have a lot of support in my life because like so many people have reached out and so many people have had really nice kind words to like offer me um so it feels that feels really great and then on the flip side it feels like those uh Merry Christmas text messages you get every (laughs) single year and it's just like oh my god like I like just have a script that I'm now running off of Mm -hmm. when people send me like a text message um It's like, like I broke up with message. you on purpose. Yeah. You don't have to text me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like the same thing, yeah. word for word. Just thank you for your words and your prayers or your thoughts, blah, 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 blah. It's been a, le- a tough few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things you mean, but you don't know yeah. how to yeah. create individual <laughs> right. responses to each of these things because it's like those things are existing within the context of receiving them all. Exactly. Right? And I've had to understand that like, this is about me receiving as well versus me like giving. So, which is weird for me because I don't like receiving things other than dick. Mm-hmm. So it's, there we go. <laughs> there it is. So I've always been very weird about like accepting gifts or like even compliments. Like, I feel like my reaction to compliments is very like, yeah, I know, but that's because I don't know how to actually just like take the compliment. I have to like be snarky on top of it. So right. um, this has also been a period of like, just like accepting things um both from people and then just also like the universe and uh accepting whatever feelings are coming to me in that moment because they just they come out of nowhere yeah um so yeah i'd say that's (laughs) 
that's what my process is. I don't know if that answered the question, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I've been doing and I haven't yeah. been rushing anything. And it's been nice because I feel like people who have experienced loss have told me that time and time again. Like that's the one piece of advice I think I'm getting from other people who have lost their parents. Which is what? Um, to take your time. Oh, And I that see. this is going to take time um, and to not like try to rush yourself back to like whatever your old normal was because... Yeah. It's just not going to happen as yeah. soon as you want it to. So, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like I have seen you engage with those things, but I also want to say that just you specifically, I feel like you've done. Uh, I was going to say a good job, and it's not something to be good or bad at. Like, there's no right way to grieve, right? Dang, I wanted a gold star. <laughs> you, you can have it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get you some. You can have a QBT sticker. They're oh, right, right over there. <laughs> I think I got stars on them. Um. That I think I will be honest that I expected to like not hear from you from two weeks. Like mm. I like there's a part of me that expected to just like talk to you when you were quote better or mm. like had gone through the worst of it. And I think it was really great, at least on my care for you, not about me like wanting to talk to you, which I did, but more about it's important to let people in, in in ways that they need to be, especially when you live so far away from family, you know, yeah. and like the people who know this shit the most. I feel like you opened yourself up in these small ways to that. And then also when you came back, you know, there wasn't any kind of fake conversation about like why you went somewhere. We know why you went to Tennessee, yeah. you know, like, and you came back and immediately started sharing and showing. And I was so happy to learn more about your dad. I was so happy to see pictures of your dad and... Because my understanding of that relationship is that it's been hard for you. Yeah. And I just don't know what... um, Do you think that there is a difference in the way that you're approaching this grief because of the ways that it was a kind of hard relationship? Hmm. It's funny. I feel like because it was a hard relationship, I told myself... It's almost like, I don't know, I I think about death a lot, not in the sense of like suicide. I yeah. might have talked about this on my podcast, but just like sometimes I'll just be like, hey, like what's going to happen when my mom dies or what's going to happen when my grandma dies? Because it's going to happen, it's right? Gonna happen. Like, I do too. No point in not thinking about it. I so, think it's healthy. Um, Unless I've, it's like an anxiety. But. Yeah. I've obviously thought about like, oh, what's going to happen when my dad dies? Like, am I even going to fucking care? Like I've gone through that where it's just like, yeah. I'm probably not even going to go to the funeral. I don't mm. care. Um. And then I've also gone through just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was interesting having this happen um, just because I didn't react the way that I thought it was going to at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, I don't know, part, I, I, this whole thing, this whole grieving has not... I wasn't expecting any of it and has not gone the way that I thought that it would at all. Like, I just, right. I think that <laughs> I always thought that I I would shut down and I yeah. wouldn't want to talk to people about it. And I would either not go to a funeral or like mm-hmm. really, really, really go into like a dark space. Mm-hmm. And that has not happened. Yeah. Um, and it's because, you know, I I've been consciously and actively choosing to like, talk to people mm-hmm. as much as I can like bear it yeah um you know when it gets to the point that it feels like 
I don't want to talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. Then, like, I'm not going to talk about it. But yeah. luckily, I have friends in my life uh, and loved ones in my life who understand that and yeah. don't aren't like aggressively pushing me to like talk about something I'm not comfortable with yet. Um, right. And I know that like you and our other friends are are like that. So it's been easier, but it's also been this sort of 2019-2020 like new version of Sean that I've just been working on, which mm-hmm. is being more vulnerable, bleh, more vulnerable uh, opening up a little bit more mm-hmm. and letting people into my life um, mm-hmm. and into my interior and what's going on in my brain because yeah. uh, you know, I was an only child, I am an only child and I've spent so much of my time alone in yeah. life that I don't know. I thought it was time to maybe explore what it's like letting other people in. And thus right. far, uh, it's been great. Yeah. Even though I tried desperately to tell myself that it wouldn't be. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it is deeply scary. And I think that we've had conversations about vulnerability and the scariness of that before. And I also think, I mean, that resonates with me. I think our podcast kind of shifted our friendship into another realm because mm-hmm. we like talk at each other for a while. Yeah. But then I think before that, though, was for me i think it was an explicit time when you came to me and i think spencer too and said that you were like i'm making choices to be more open with people and i would like to have a conversation with you about that and it was like yeah totally man like we're around (laughs) each other all the time that sounds great and um so i feel like i hope that it's i'm happy to hear that people have stepped into that in a positive way another question that i'm thinking about is this idea of ritual and so in a in like a lot of american culture and then especially like southern american culture there's like the church funeral right mm-hmm. um and i remember before you went to tennessee i think we recorded an episode and you were like not today i was like yeah totally <laughs> and then at the end of it i you I, I just kind of was like how are you doing trying to do that thing of I'm going to let you lead this conversation. If you want to have it, I can have it. If not, here's some coffee or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. And I think you were like, honestly, I'm getting through this week. And when I go to Tennessee, that's when I'm going to feel it. Like that is when yeah. I'm going to do it and, and engage in the practice of the ritual of feeling and healing and yeah. whatever. That was also me just compartmentalizing my life. But yeah. To- <laughs> totally. But I think that uh, that's what ritual can serve as, right? Mm-hmm. It can serve as the thing to say, I know I have to, quote, deal with this. I know I have to observe it. I know I have to honor it. But unfortunately, I've got fucking work to do or I've got to catch a plane or I've got to water my plants and feed my dog. And I can't, if I do that in a not supportive space, then Mm -hmm. it might be too much, you know? And like, I guess I just want to know, is that something that after you made that comment, you saw for yourself in terms of like, did you see a shift in the ritual of it? Was the ritual helpful? Mm-hmm. Was the ritual hurtful? Like, I guess I just want to hear your thoughts around that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, rituals, uh, I guess I never thought of a funeral as like a, a ritual, but it is done. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. It was strange because it's all happening during a pandemic. So mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest, the one of the weirdest things during this sort of typical ritual when it comes to funerals is the size of the gathering just couldn't be that large um and things had to move at a very 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 sort of like fast rate so it almost felt like that ritual was rushed and sort of just like had to be done really quick and just get get it done um which also wrestled with because it's just like 
uh, he deserves more than that. But also sure. <laughs> my grandmother's with me and like other people who are at risk. So like, I want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. So like sort of balancing those two acts was different. Um, it impacted my sort of ability to mourn the way that I wanted to, at mm-hmm. least like physically there in the funeral. Um, but I mean, also I was bawling my eyes out. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was a mess in the front pew. Um, I mean, and, in some ways, good. In a row, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cathartic for mm-hmm. sure. It's nothing else. Um, lots and lots and lots of just emotional energy pouring out of you at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but then outside of that, I feel like I was in Tennessee. I haven't been to Tennessee. I've been, I'm from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Very small town just underneath Nashville. Um, I haven't been there in... I did the math last night. I hadn't been to Murfreesboro in seven years, I think. Wow. So it's been a long time. That's the same town that I was born in. Um, so while I was there, I sort of took some time to myself, um, away from my family to go sort of explore my childhood. Um, like finding the old house that I used to live in, mm-hmm. finding my old elementary school, finding the comic book store that my dad used to take me to, just like exploring the little town that I hadn't been to and like remembering everything from memory. Yeah. I didn't have to type anything until like Google Maps, which was interesting. And unlocking some of that good stuff yeah. that you're wanting to grasp onto. Yeah. Um, and it's funny coming out of all of that sort of, his birthday was the Monday following his funeral, which is fucking sucky. Yeah. Um, but on that Monday, I sort of made a decision and like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A commitment. I made a commitment to go back to Murfreesboro like once a year just to at least go to his gravesite or like just to revisit the place that I'm from and to really reconnect with my roots because it wasn't as scary and as like, uh, it just wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I was, for some reason, there was a lot of dread building up in me going back to Tennessee. And when I got there and I was surrounded with nothing but love mm-hmm. um, and then like all these memories and I'm not saying it's going to be that every single time I go back, but mm-hmm. it made it a little less of like a scary place for me to go to and more of like a, okay, I can manage coming here for a weekend once a yeah. year. It's not going to kill me. So yeah. um, it's nice. I came out of that ritual with another ritual. Mm. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. What was some of the hesitation in like why going back felt scary? Um, family. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody. Everybody has weird relationships with their family mm-hmm. across the board. Um, I don't know. It's. I think that I was expecting not to receive as much love from mm-hmm. like my family, but received a lot. Mm-hmm. So me and my therapist are going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what was that about? Yeah. And why had I sort of created this narrative in my head of like who those people were? Yep. Um, and I think that narrative was like completely untrue. Like right. people have just grown, people have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I can uh, be honest with myself and see where I was tweaking a narrative a certain way about certain family members. Sure. So I think I was just also dreading that, like, because yeah. I was going to have to come face to face with, like, myself in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, and I did. And it was emotional. And yeah. there were tears. Um, but, but you got to bring back good stuff. Yeah. I got to bring back good stuff uh, and more stuff for me to work on. So, yeah, yeah I am looking forward to therapy mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> and think of it as an opportunity, which I think is really 
cool. And I think we talked a little bit last episode of just like being able to get that time with your grandma. I think yes. Was a large part of why I, at least from what you've told me, it sounds like it was more healing than it could have been was because your grandma was there to be that for you and kind of foster that in a way where you're well fed and you're sleeping well and like all these beautiful things yeah she eddie sue (laughs) love that woman love you girl that um i mean a lot of what you're talking about really resonates with me i feel like whenever i i've even asked my family to like let's try and meet somewhere that isn't where i grew up because Mm -hmm. i'm like that place just holds a lot that i just don't always feel super good about revisiting and then obviously there's sometimes where it unlocks something like really special i'm like oh i trauma blocked that out i forgot that that good thing happened or whatever um you know my experiences with grief and loss i think i feel like my first honestly wow i maybe didn't think about this until i started talking but i think one of the first major losses in my life was just like the time with my dad like Mm. he was in the military and started deploying very young. And I remember I've talked to my therapist a little bit about this, that like every time my dad would go to war, right. Which is like, I can would love to have many political discussions around that. And it just, it is what it's what happened to me as a kid in the way that um, I grew up and how my dad made money. Um, Every time he would go to war, because I'm someone who hope doesn't always come easily to and I'm someone who feels like I have to prepare myself I sort of just like tell myself that he died and then be excited when he came back Mm. which is like not healthy in all these ways because I like and it, it depended on the deployment you know sometimes I handled it better than other times and I remember feeling so bad because he would write me and at a certain part I stopped writing him back because I was like it hurts too much to think about you. Like Mm. it it feels better to just like, be like, you'll probably come back and I will talk to you then. But now I can't think about, especially back then there wasn't really email and there definitely wasn't as much stuff as it was getting built out. And so mail would be like three to four weeks behind. So it's like these monthly kind of letters. And it's like, Oh, there's still nine months. There's still 10 months. it, It just, I couldn't do it. And, um, So that was, I guess, maybe the first time. And then I did lose his mother, who I had a weird relationship to because she was very sick. Um, She had Parkinson's disease and, um, you know, had an intense diagnosis by the time I was like nine or ten. So by the time Mm -hmm. I'm forming major memories, she is a sick person, you know, which is ableist and horrible. But when you're a kid, it's hard to know. All I remembered is that she like, you know, her husband smoked and he she so all of her clothes smelled terrible. And I hated it when she shared my room because I'd be like, it smells like fucking smoke in here, Mom. Like as I become a smoker in my adult life. Uh, mild. Um and then uh my grandfather died when I was hmm, it was my second year here. And that my grandma's funeral, I remember really letting out a lot and I wasn't expecting. I I went to the pew thinking that I didn't feel much about her death. Mm-hmm. And then at the funeral being like, oh shit, I actually do. There was good stuff. It unlocked some of those good memories, right? Yeah. And with my 
grandpa, we called him Popo. Um, you know, I had, he taught me how to drive, you know, like I was like 12 and 13, like being, he'd be like, you want to go drive son? Like we'd go out in the middle of fucking nowhere and I'd swing him around curves. He'd be like, okay, you're going to the passenger seat now. Um, but when he died, I think my biggest thing and the thing I had the most grief about was not necessarily that I wouldn't see him again. It's that I wasn't there with the rest of the family for the last moments. Mm. Like everyone else, because they're all in North Carolina and whatever, they got to be by the bedside. And I had to fly after he was gone. And like, I think that feeling of being left out was a large part of it. And then I also later felt grateful because I'm like, they all have these memories of him looking and being very sick in these very sad final moments where my final moment with him is like this really, really silly thing where like, maybe I'll tell the story again someday, but like a very silly moment where he essentially like asked me to help like uh, declog this pipe in the front yard that was like basically just like their shit. Like, and so I'm like <laughs> plunging my grandparents shit in the front yard. And it's a very funny, weird moment memory. And it really just came from the idea that he was honestly getting too sick to do it himself. Mm. And that was like, so it was this sad thing, but also a, a thing I was grateful for. But I've also had, I had a friend, you know, who um, completed suicide. And I think that that, the grief I felt around that was a lot about this kind of thing where queer people can kind of have this grieved relationship with family or grieved loss that may not exactly be like they are dead, but there's like some type of relationship that isn't solid. And like, I felt worse about what happened um I think in a lot of ways because i knew his family wasn't the coolest mm. they weren't horrible but they weren't the coolest to my extent and i'm i should not be speaking out of turn maybe i'll cut this out but that that wrecked me you know it wrecked me that one of the reasons that this person is not here is because they did not feel love their entire life like that mm. killed me you know and i i think my experiences with grief and loss at the moment are kind of that like one degree of separation you know and and then it becomes one of those things of like we've just had such a beautiful conversation about your dad and then when I talk about the types of grief that I've experienced I'm immediately feeling this comparative thing of like well it's not like that (laughs) you know and that's like a thing about grief is that like we compare it to everyone else around us around like how we're supposed to feel how long it should take things we should do or should not do Things we should do, but only for two weeks, and then you should move on to start doing something oh my else. Gosh, yeah. Like, there is no right way to grieve. And I think that there's also this new thing, in quotes, of, like, collective grieving. Like, when Pulse happened, I felt like hmm. it was, it still, like, fucks me up, honestly. Like, when I woke up that day, I felt like I re- received news about everyone I knew. And, yeah. like, I didn't know any of those people, you know? And... But I, I felt this collective grief around it. I think it, we talked a lot about, I think that we exhibit grief in our anger when we talk about all of the black lives continuously being made into oh, yeah. viral yeah, slaughters, yeah, yeah. you know? And But also grief in and of itself, like I said at the beginning of this segment, is can also be numbing. And I feel like, yeah. you know, when I think of Black Lives Matter, how many times I've had to say, like, it's just like at this point, like there, I don't, no, but there is no feeling. It's right. just like this thing. Like, I don't know, there's nothing that's there. So, or um, it's not noticed as something and it resides 
kind of like our episode last time. Yeah. It resi- it lives somewhere in our bodies now that we aren't even paying attention no, to where it lives. To. Yeah. And I think that's like, I just can't harbor on it enough. I feel like the time and like also not comparing like grief. Yeah. Because I did that like the first couple of days where I'm just like, all right, like when am I supposed to go back to work? When am I supposed to feel okay talking to people about <laughs> When am I supposed to be okay coming back on the podcast? Like, yeah. do I just be, am I just going to be absent for like a month? Am I going to like just take it up? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and still figuring that shit out. But also like do what you need to do for you. Yeah. Like nobody can tell you how to grieve. Like there is yeah. no right or wrong way to grieve as long as you're not like harming somebody Mm -hmm. and not harming yourself then like do it the way that you want to do it yeah you know some people grieve by going on vacation or trying to experience the most happy things that they can find in the moment so like don't give somebody shit because like they want to go out and party or want to go on a vacation or something right when they've lost somebody yeah um some people would rather sit in the dark in a room and like not be bothered yeah and then it can range anywhere between those two things so um just like anything in life like don't judge other people and don't judge and don't beat up on yourself too much for like grieving the way that you need to grieve and i think that that is really important i feel like there is no need to add guilt and shame to your Mm. own personal shit on top of the fact that a great loss has just happened like and not just you specifically but you yeah um there's so much around when someone is gone where there's these thoughts around i could have done this i should have done this i wanted to do this we didn't get to do this like i can't believe when i was seven i said that (laughs) and it's like i don't know i think I think that grieving honestly would be easier in a lot of ways if we had a more normalized culture around death and we're able to, like my dad, every single time he talks about his death, which he has talked about for a long time, which is like, like chill. Um, it has always been, don't you dare for, throw a funeral for me. It better be a party. Like, I don't, I don't want, which is like, Funerals are for the dead people, not for you. But okay. Like, <laughs> like there, I mean, there's also like definitely things that I want. I mean, I've been thinking about my funeral since I was, since I read Tom Sawyer, I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I can't wait to fake die and that see. That does not <laughs> shock me even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm going to hide in the rafters and see what everyone says and then yeah. come down and then I'll be like, gotcha, bitch. Um, but and you were talking <laughs> shit. You were talking shit. <laughs> yeah. You didn't cry hard enough. Where were your tears? <laughs> but I mean, that's like, obviously that is the, that's the thing that we think is that there's, especially if you believe in some ways in like a higher power or something, there's like this perception that they're watching down on us. They're, they're like, and I, that may or may not be true, but I think, I think ritual, I think grieving, I think that process is for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for them. They're, they're gone. You know, like they are hopefully they chilling peace. wherever they are. They are yeah. Yes. And I think there's lots of things. I think we even talked about this at the beginning of this podcast, not this one, maybe episode like two or three or something, mm. where we talked about abstract grief when we were talking about when COVID happened. And there's this like sense of dread amongst us all about yeah. the lack of social stuff in our life. And and that's a form of grief. It's it's like a it's a loss that is not death. And like so there's definitely a lot of loss that happens. It can be a divorce, it can be a breakup, it can be a dog dying, which I guess is dying. I a job <laughs> loss or yeah. just things in our life 
that matter to us that then are not in our lives anymore. That we as humans don't always have the best ways to deal with those things, I think because we do our best to sweep them under under the rug. We do our best to get over them. Yep. Okay, time time yeah. to get time to get through it. And I just Well, things also get at least for me, have gotten very, very, very like existentialist. Mm. <laughs> uh and then for me going too far down that road of like existentialism puts me in like a really anxious place or in a really like uh I just don't like feel I feel the dread. Like it's just like this yeah. dread that's always around. So that's been happening a lot as well, which is interesting, just about sort of um the universe and where I sit in it and what happens when you die and then like I don't know. All of it is just it's weird. But it's yeah. <laughs> the meaning of life and like yeah. all these things are like popping up for me now that like were there before, but like I was waiting for my midlife crisis to yeah, pay for this shit to yeah. happen. Now I'm like, oh my God, you could just die at any second. Yeah. Um so yeah, that definitely brings up that sort of dread. Which mm-hmm. then in turn I can see how easily people want to push that down and not deal with it. So they choose to jump back into work as fast as they can mm-hmm. or into whatever. So because we don't have us we don't have a culture that allows big emotions. Big emotions are often shamed mm-hmm. and discarded or for women, you know, like these yeah. like really fucked up things and I am just um extremely grateful that you've decided to have this conversation, you know, not just for this recording but i think that this is we kind of saved our conversation for mm-hmm. this in a lot of ways we've had other talks but i think this is the first time we've talked for like 35 minutes no, straight i just up. i just told maddie that my dad died yeah and, and he was like for the podcast play <laughs> yeah no um but i i love you very much i think something i'd love to hear is um maybe if you have any advice for anyone going through that right now or advice about like what you appreciated in terms of what people were able to offer you. Mm. Give your friends food, give your loved ones food. Mm. Uh, I, it's weird. You don't think about it, but over the last like two weeks, because I've like had to travel for a funeral and like get other things in order, like get my father's affairs in order and things like that. Um, On top of just normal life still chugging along like normal um i either was forgetting to eat or like did not have time to like go to the grocery store or like and i like don't want to spend a bunch of money just ordering food all the time right so i would say like if you have a loved one that's going through grief or recently lost somebody give them food (laughs) they'll probably like you for it um i mean like i said give yourself time I can't overstate that enough. Um, And also don't be afraid to like, let yourself be happy. Hmm. You know, like just because I feel like grief has this connotation of just like sadness. Mm -hmm. Grief is not just sadness, y'all. Like it's just not, it's, it's a lot of things. Sadness is part of it, but like, that's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. So um, let yourself be happy too and don't feel bad for like being happy. Yeah. Uh I feel like I've hung out with some people like social distanced, but I've seen people and have chosen like, okay, I don't want to talk about this. 
but I do want to just like engage Be. with y'all like it's a normal fucking day right. um, and laugh and just have fun. And I've luckily been able to do that. And that's helpful because then when I do have the moments when that's not what I want, I feel okay taking those moments. So yeah. um, give yourself time, let yourself be happy and eat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen to our last episode about eating. And then I also, um, I feel like, uh, oh shit, what the fuck was that show called? Oh, Midnight Gospel has like two, the last like, there's an episode about death and then there's that episode with his mother that was recorded like three or four days before she died. Yeah. I feel like those were healing for me and I wasn't experiencing an immediate loss, you know, like they were a very good meditations for me. Even if you don't like the animation, I'm sure you can go find those episodes of his podcast somewhere. But um, let's take a quick break and take our meds when we come back. Does that sound good? Let's do it. We are back to take some meds. (laughs) Shawnee, what you got for us? Uh, My meds this week are fall. It's uh, September 23rd. Yesterday was the first day of fall. Miss Autumn. Um, And I'm excited. It's also Libra season. So you know what that means. It's the one time a year that I turn up for real, for real, and make everything about me. I am excited for you to make everything about you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love fall. I love October, October specifically, but I mean, perfect I'll take a little month. bit of September, you know. Yeah, when I October it. is one of the perfect months. It's your birthday, it's my birthday, it's good Judy Darren and good Judy Jordan's birthday. I feel oh. like so many beautiful birthdays are in October. I feel like fall babies are the best babies. They yeah. are said it, controversial. My old roommate. And friend Piers has the same birthday as me. There's so many babies, October babies. It's like, I saw a tweet that was like, starting in September, it's like, uh uh-oh, here comes the time when every other weekend's your best friend's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. There's so many babies born in this time. Um, Well, I'm excited to celebrate you. I feel like I enjoyed fall a little bit more in other states when it Mm. like didn't jump from sunshine to rain. Yeah, I agree. But- Sometimes we get a little bit of a dry fall. <laughs> Jolene is bugging you. She is like fully erected Jolene trying to get you to. Today. Oh my God. Um, okay. My Jolene, meds. Jolene is my meds today. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my meds, I honestly, this is corny, but wanted to um, shout out my partner. They have done just a lot of really cool work in our garden and brought so much greenery and beautiful stuff. It's looking stuff. good out there. So good. So many beautiful flowers. Also, today, they said one of my favorite things that I've heard in a long time. He called the laundry detergent um, shampoo for our clothes. And that (laughs) was like, he was like, look, we got so much shampoo for our clothes. And the best part is like, I know full well that he knows the word laundry detergent. (laughs) It's that he chooses to offer me moments of like silliness. And as a very serious person, I appreciate the, the fuck out of that. Um, gross. I know. <laughs> also, no, that also that ad um of those Atlanta strippers telling yes. everyone to go vote. So good. Did we get your attention? Good. So, you're really not gonna vote. You know, it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? Check it. A district attorney decides who to prosecute, including whether or not to go after dirty cops. Do you know who elects the DA? We do. But you don't want to vote. 
Can't make it rain if you locked up on some bullshit. Want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote for the school boards that will prepare us for the job market. Want to end cash bail? Well, then vote for the sheriffs and county officials that feel the same way you do. But you talking about, oh, they gonna pick who they gonna pitch, shawty. Ferguson just elected their first black mayor. You know how that happened? Um, do you got homework for us, babe? Yes, I do have homework for y'all. Um, right in line with what that episode was about. Um, I want you guys to do journaling because we haven't journaled in a while, I don't think. Um, we're going to ask ourselves the question, what is a meaningful relationship that you've lost? And I'm talking about death. It doesn't have to be death. Like it could just be somebody that you are not that close to anymore or somebody that it was a breakup and it didn't end well mm-hmm. uh, or somebody that just fell off the face of the earth. Like you don't know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghosted. So it doesn't always have to be death. So what's the meaningful relationship that you lost? Um, how did you lose it? You know, like to the point that I just made. Uh, and then just reflect on what that starts to bring up for you. And then just keep writing and see where you go. I love that. I am terrified and excited to engage oh, yeah. with it. But, um, but that sounds wonderful. Um, we have... New stickers that I'm excited for folks to get. Yeah, we've um, been talking about them all episode. All episode. Those shameless plugs. They're super cute. Thank you, Carlos. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at QBTPod, and we can throw you some info about how to get those. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Honestly, we are a free podcast. We just put our own money into these things. We put our own money into um recording and so much of the additional things are volunteer based so spreading the word is a way to support us and we really really appreciate it uh set up a venmo account people would just send us money maybe so we'll see dm us if you want to give us money send us money (laughs) (laughs) thank you to marquee and shanti darling for letting us use their money their music their money send (laughs) them money honestly marquee and shanti darling send them money they make beautiful music honestly and big 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 thanks to ali kilts you can send her money um for helping us with editing um yeah i am feeling good this rain is gorgina these headphones are sliding off my head um yeah i the rain is great Drink water, get wet, have a good day. Love ya. I'm gonna go eat some Chinese food. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Try to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>